Today we are coming to the end of our Speak Life series. And the series is based on Proverbs 18.21 that says the tongue has the power of life and death. We've all experienced the power of words, how words can build people up, or on the other hand, words can tear people down. And today, as we conclude the series, we're talking about how we can use our words to speak life into difficult situations. We've probably all experienced those times where there's conflict or misunderstanding, those times that maybe there's tension in our relationships with others, times when we have anger or bitterness just kind of welling up inside of us. And and when we have these types of times, it can just drain us emotionally and even physically. These types of circumstances can make it difficult to sleep at night. It can make us uncomfortable or awkward when we're around certain people. Or it can just make it so hard to make our mind just be calm. And I know we've all been there at times. And so today we're looking at what God has to say about speaking life into these difficult situations. So I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, in terms of someone who's a peacemaker, it's not merely someone who just happens to live in harmony with those around them. Because say if you have someone who's very easygoing, someone who just lets things slide off their back, it's pretty natural that they're just going to get along with people around them pretty well. But peacemaking is more than just being friendly or just being easygoing. For someone who's a peacemaker, they are doing what that word implies, that they are making peace. That when they are exposed to a situation that is conflicted or tense or or just kind of uncomfortable or, or problematic or messy in some way, that rather than running away or rather than getting defensive or rather than going on the attack, they intentionally use their words and their actions to move people in a direction toward mutual understanding, toward reconciliation, and toward growth. And today we're talking about how to use our words and our actions to accomplish that. So let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to this world, showing that you are a reconciling God. You are a Father who longs for peace to be made. And you made a way for peace between us and you through the cross. And Lord, as we open your word today, we pray that you will be uh, teaching us through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit and just through our own thought processes this morning to help move us in a direction of increasingly being peacemakers in the difficult situations that are all around us on a regular basis. We pray that we will do so in a way that, that speaks life and that honors and glorifies you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to read... Chapter 18 of Matthew, verse 15. It's part of a larger passage, but today we're focusing specifically on verse 15. Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And so this passage has Jesus talking about peacemaking, especially some practical steps of peacemaking. He says, If you want to be a peacemaker... One of the keys in difficult situations is to go to the source. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. This means that if you have been hurt by someone, if you feel offended by them, you go to the source. 
If you have a big disagreement with someone, if you don't like something that someone has said or done, what do you do? You go to the source. If someone has sinned directly against you, obviously you need to go to the source. And Jesus says to do this just between the two of you. This means that in most situations, that that is to be one-on-one. Now, there may be special exceptions to that, such as when it's an abusive type of situation, when it would not be safe to be one-on-one, or maybe when it's a child who has been wronged by an adult, or when it's a child who just needs to be trained in how to go about this type of reconciliation and peacemaking. But the norm, the, the, the normal pattern that Jesus sets forth here is to go one-on-one to the source. He goes on to say that, you know, if you go one-on-one and the situation is still not resolved, it is appropriate to take one or two others along with you to try to resolve the situation. But still, the point is go to the source. I've seen so many times when, when people don't go to the source, and that makes the situation much bigger than it needs to be. I've seen times where people just are venting their frustrations to others rather than going to the source, or they just blow up in a group setting. And something that could have been resolved so easily just by going to the source, having a straightforward one-on-one conversation, instead becomes a much bigger deal than it ever needed to be. And there's always collateral damage when that happens. Because others get sucked into the issue, and it gets messy. That's why Jesus says, go to the source. And when we fail to go to the source, there are two things that end up happening in and through us. One thing is that we end up letting the issue fester inside, and it grows into bitterness. And what ends up happening then is that it overflows. It's going to come out in some manner if we don't go to the source, if it's really bothering us. And usually then it'll come out as we talk with others, especially in the form of complaining and gossip. Back about 100 years ago, around the time of World War I, there was a newspaper reporter named Morgan Blake. He, he wrote about the topic of gossip, and he personified gossip using these words. He wrote, I am more deadly than a screaming shell from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind, No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is Gossip. Now let me give a definition of of gossip. I'm sure you could find other definitions, but I think one that is helpful is that gossip is spreading intimate, private, or derogatory rumors or facts. Uh, you may know this. Okay, facts. Well, why are facts a part of this definition of gossip? Some people would say, well, if it's a fact, then it's not gossip. But that's, that's not always true because if, if it is intimate, if it's private, if it puts someone in a bad light, especially behind their back, that is still gossip. And one of the things we have to understand is that even when we are sharing things that we know to be true, frequently we are sharing them without the broader context. Either, either we don't know the broader context of that situation, or we aren't sharing the broader context. Because you know what? Life is complex. 
And frequently, um, you, you can take any fact out of any situation, and on its own, it may not look very good. And that's why it's so important to go to the source to try to understand the broader context, because we oftentimes do not know the whole story. And so gossip is spreading intimate, private, or derogatory rumors or facts. And Jesus says, you know what? If, if there's an issue going on, if there's something that's bothering you, if you feel like someone has wronged you, go to the source to sort it out without it blowing up to be bigger than it needs to be. Now, I, I think about even things going on here at Freedom's Church right now. I've been blessed um, here at Freedom's Church for many years just with how we've handled issues well. But I recognize that right now is a time where Freedom's is going through a lot of transitions. We have change taking place uh, in our staffing situation. We have a building project. We have a number of other things that are just undergoing changes. And the reality is the vast majority of the church is not changing. Most of what we are and what we're doing is remaining the same and remains perfectly healthy. And even the things that are changing, they are still healthy. But when change takes place, it raises questions in people's minds. There may be concerns that come up. Things that we don't know fully about. And, and frankly, we have a lot of um, details to determine and navigate over the coming months. And so it's natural in this type of time where there are transitions for there to be questions or even concerns. But Jesus says, you know what? Take those things to the source. I think of how even in the midst of changes that are taking place in the church and, and just as we look to the future, not knowing exactly how everything will play out, but trusting that God is going to be faithful I think, you know what, there's so much to be excited about as well. And the building project is super exciting. It's fun to see how it's done, uh, just rolling out and uh, what's going to take place there. I think of our staffing topics. Yeah, we have things that we aren't completely certain on and how they're going to play out in the future. But it's exciting that we have a solid plan about how we're going to seek God's will in that. There's more in the Freedom's Connection newsletter that you will receive today. You can learn more at the forum. And even in the meantime, Especially with children's and youth ministry, things continue to go very smoothly. I mean, we have so many great volunteers who are serving faithfully and wisely in what they're doing. I mean, I think about the nursery. That was something um, that, that needed someone to step in. And my wife, Shelly, is doing a great job of leading the nursery. Not just maintaining it, but helping it move forward. I think of Carissa and her expanded role with children and youth. I mean, she's really taking the bull by the horns there. She's been educated in that in college. She's had a passion for this, this type of ministry stuff for a long time. And she's meeting with students. She's connecting well with people. She's leading well. It's exciting to see what's taking place. God has provided for us during this interim period. And we trust that God will continue to provide into the future. So it's exciting. It's an adventure to follow him. Yet at the same time, I recognize there are questions that come up along the way. There, there may be concerns that come up along the way. And I think of how even over the last several weeks, I've had a few different people come to me with questions or even with concerns. But you catch what I said, they, they came to me. They, they went to a primary leadership source in the church because they had questions, they had concerns, they, they wanted to talk about them. And, and we were able to have a, have a great conversation. I was able to listen to the things that were on their mind. We were able to talk about it. We were able to just discuss the bigger context. And we were able to come to a healthy mutual understanding of the topics. And that is the key. I mean, that wouldn't have been possible had they not gone to the source. 
And so that's what Jesus calls us to do, whether it's something in church or something in your family or something in your neighborhood or something in your workplace. If there's something that's just bothering you, something that's, uh, that you're wondering about, something that you feel like you've been offended by or something like that, Jesus says, go to the source. And so this is a part of being a, a peacemaker, that, that, that if we have an issue with someone, we go to the source. And another part of being a peacemaker is that if someone comes to us to share something that's weighing on their mind, that's a concern, but that it's not directly about us, a part of making peace in that situation, being a peacemaker, is, is saying, you know what, this is not about me. Go to the source. So this means don't be a complaint receptacle. A complaint receptacle is someone who, who frequently is good at listening, but they receive people's complaints and may then be spreading them out to others in the form of gossip. But, but complaint receptacles don't work well in God's kingdom. Complaint receptacles are not peacemakers. Instead, we need to be a peacemaker who points people to the source. And as we do that, especially as we ourselves are going to the source to address a topic in a difficult or conflicted situation, it's important to be humble. That is to be our attitude. I think of Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is talking about when we need to address something with someone else. The first place we need to address is ourselves before we go somewhere else. Because, you know what, we might be contributing to a part of the problem. And so humility helps us hold the mirror up in front of ourselves first and ask God, God, is there something I need to change or I need to repent of here? And it also calls us to look at our attitude. Because when we are upset with someone or upset with a situation, frequently bitterness or anger just kind of wells up in us. We get frustrated. And that generally doesn't lead to very good things. That is that, that bitterness or the anger or even pride that wells up in us it is a major form of a plank that can be in our eyes blinding us and preventing us from handling things in a healthy way. And so... So Jesus says here, you know what, deal with yourself first. Make sure your attitude and your perspective is in the right place. And then you will be ready to go to that source and help the other person address what they need to address. Jesus says do this humbly. Humbly, uh, humility should come through in our words, words of kindness, words of respect, words of, of patience and empathy. It should come through in a willingness to listen to consider another perspective than our own. Sometimes we have a very high opinion of our own opinion. And that blinds us from being able to hear any opinions of other people. But Jesus says, you know what? When we go to people, we need to make sure that we are going humbly. And, and you know what? When we are in a situation that is very tense, which happens at, time, at times, we, we can't always just prepare in advance for a tense situation. Sometimes they just pop up and we don't have a whole lot of control over what's taking place. But we can still choose deliberately in that situation to be humble, to 
be patient, to be a peacemaker. And in those times when our blood's starting to boil, when we're getting upset and angry, a good thing to do is to say, quote James 1.19 over and over to yourself. If you don't know it, memorize it. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So if you're in a tense situation, your blood's starting to boil, and, and you want to just spew something out that's probably words of death rather than words of life, just say to yourself, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because that is a key to representing God well and to speaking life rather than death in tense, conflicted situations. And Jesus says that the goal in these situations is reconciliation. Back in Matthew 18, he says, If your brother and sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now let me clarify what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about winning an argument. I mean, the goal if you go and talk with someone else is not to prove them wrong and to make them feel bad about themselves. The goal is reconciliation. That's what it means that you have won them over. You have brought them to a, a point of reconciliation. And if needed, you brought them to a point of repentance as they recognize their need to change. But this calls for a heart check in ourselves because if, if we are not ready to be reconciled, if we're so angry that we just want to beat them into the ground, we want to make them feel bad, but we aren't ready to be reconciled with them, we may not be ready to go talk with them yet. We may need to talk with God more about this topic because until we are ready to be reconciled with them, it's going to be really, really hard for us to truly speak life. So being a peacemaker, as we probably see here, it requires a lot of courage. It's not easy to handle the conflict in a healthy way. It takes courage. It takes tact. It takes sensitivity. It takes wisdom. And our sinful nature oftentimes is pulling us in a different way. Our sinful nature, when we feel wronged or when we get angry about something, our sinful nature makes us want to speak words of death. And the world, unfortunately, oftentimes trains us that when we are angry, we have a right to speak harsh words, to speak death. But Jesus calls us to something different. He calls us and he equips us, even in the hardest of circumstances, to speak life. Now I want to look at briefly a couple other topics related to dealing with difficult or conflicted situations. And one is when it's a relatively small issue. I mean, there is a topic of picking your battles. And there are times when it's appropriate to simply overlook an offense, to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19.11 says, it is to a person's glory to overlook an offense. So it's biblical and healthy at times to, to simply overlook an offense, to, to offer forgiveness in your heart, where maybe in that circumstance you don't even need to go to the source. Now there are two criteria that need to be met if we are going to overlook an offense in a healthy biblical way. One of the criteria is this, that if we are thinking about overlooking the offense, it needs to be an offense that doesn't cause lasting damage to the relationship. If there's something that's happened that's built a wall there and that, that your negative feelings towards that person persist on a longer-term basis, I mean, they aren't brief, they just keep going on and on, then you need to go to the source. But if it's something relatively small that you can just let it slide off your back and offer forgiveness in your heart and it doesn't hinder the ongoing relationship, perhaps then you can forgive the offense in your heart and overlook it. Another criteria that is key 
is, is we can overlook an offense if the offense doesn't cause serious harm to God's reputation, to others, or to that person being the offender. I mean, if, if it does, uh, the situation does harm God's reputation, or if it is hurting other people, or if it is hurting the person committing that offense, or if it's something that's persistent over and over and over, then we probably do need to go to the source and address it directly. But if it's not causing lasting damage in your relationship with them, if it's more of this just one-time thing that's, that, you know what, you can just kind of let blow over, by all means, you can just overlook the offense without having to go to the source in every single little tiny thing. I think of how just a couple months ago I was having lunch with a guy. We were just eating at Dockside Deli here in Port. And he was a guy from outside the church, actually doesn't even live here in, right in the area. Um, and we were talking about some of the challenges of parenting adopted children. And he asked a question of me that I've heard this type of question before, and it could be taken as very offensive. I know of a lot of adoptive parents who really bristle at this sort of question. But I could tell this man who asked, he didn't mean it in any sort of harsh or inappropriate way. And so I just answered it graciously and moved on. A few minutes later, I think he realized that the question he asked was inappropriate. It was very uh, just just kind of offensive in a way. Um, And he apologized. And I forgave him, but you know what? In my heart, I'd already overlooked the offense because it wasn't a big deal to me. I could tell he didn't mean any harm behind the question, so I I addressed it and then um, answered the question graciously and just moved on. And that's what you can do when you overlook an offense. You, You just forgive them in your heart and you just move on. But it's important that there is forgiveness that takes place because overlooking an offense does not mean filing it away in your mind to use it at a later point. You know what? In marriages, how often does that happen? Well, I won't say anything now, but you know what? Later, at the opportune moment, here it comes. No, that, that's, that's called being passive-aggressive. That will damage a relationship. That will dishonor God. Don't do that. Overlooking the offense is really mirroring God's love and forgiveness of us. That when we are in Christ, when our faith is in Christ, when God sees us, that yeah, he recognizes there is sin, that he doesn't hold that sin against us. He's not going to keep bringing it back up and holding it over our heads because in Christ there is no condemnation. And for us, when we choose to overlook an offense, that means that we are letting it go. We're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to talk about it more. We're not going to hold it against the other person. Instead, we are forgiving them in our heart and we're going to move on. So there are times when it's a relatively small issue or a one-time thing that's not really hurting others and not damaging the relationship long-term that we can simply overlook the offense. Now let's talk about the opposite end of the spectrum. Those situations where there is just um, an issue that we've tried to address, we've prayed about over and over, and then we've gone to the source, but still it's not getting any better. So it's ongoing irreconciliation. What do we do in those circumstances? Well, one thing we have to recognize is that we can't force people to repent. Repentance is a heart issue. I mean, we can speak the truth in love, and we ought to in, in, in various circumstances, but we can't force heart change. And in this broken world, there will at times be broken relationships that persist over time. And it's hard to be in those things. But there is some guidance from Scripture on how to handle those as well. 
I want to share two passages that, that I, I apply in my own life uh, when I'm in hard uh, situations that may not be reconciled fully. One is 1 Peter 2.23. It's talking about Jesus. And the time just before he was crucified, when he was being beaten, when he was suffering so deeply. And it's talking about Jesus. And it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So you look at Jesus. He was suffering unjustly. Yet he didn't retaliate. He didn't lash out. He instead entrusted himself to God. He recognized, you know what, this is God's will here, and I'm going to entrust judgment to God in this situation. Now, it's easy to think, okay, that's Jesus. Um, obviously, this was part of his mission. He was perfect. We are not. So, yeah, it's not a, a completely analogous comparison, but I think he gives us a great model. And, and we see Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, applying that model to us, making it more realistic and, and appropriate and relevant for our lives. In Romans chapter 12, picking up in verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Jumping down to verse 21, Paul concludes this section by saying, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so we see when we are in a hard situation that, that the call is to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on us, as far as we are able, seek peace and reconciliation and restoration. And in those times where we, as hard as we try and as much as we pray, that's still not happening, rather than getting harsh or rude or retaliatory, instead trust it to God because he is the just judge he will take care of what needs to be taken care of. He sees the situation so much more clearly than we ever will. And we can trust it to him. And in, the, in that manner, then we don't have to be overcome by evil, but we can overcome evil with good. Now, on a practical basis, that means that if we are in an irreconcilable relationship, that at this point, despite our best efforts and prayers, it's not getting better. Practically speaking, sometimes living at peace with everyone may mean that we pull away from that situation or pull away from that relationship. Sometimes that's the healthiest thing when it's a toxic person or a toxic situation. But as we do so, we are still praying for them. We are still seeking to, to handle that in a way that's not gossipy, that's not slandering them behind their back. But we're seeking to be peacemakers who live at peace with those around us. I want to return to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. The rest of the verse says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now in this context, being called a, children, a child of God means that we reflect God's character. We are like God. We have a heavenly Father who is a peacemaking God. We see that through what he did through Christ. That when there is animosity and, and when we are enemies of God, that God sent his son Jesus to reconcile us with himself. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
God is a reconciling God. He is a peacemaking God. And when we seek to be intentional, proactive peacemakers around, in all the difficult situations around us, we are reflecting the heart of God. Now, in order to do this, as we've been talking about throughout the series, we need a heart transformation. We need Jesus to transform our, our heart. I mean, he needs to take away that heart of stone that, that clings to bitterness and anger and grudges. And we need him to continue to renew in us a heart of flesh, to love others sacrificially and faithfully, and to love God wholeheartedly. Now, I want to close this series by reading Ephesians chapter 4, picking up in verse 29. This is the passage that we looked at several weeks ago, but it's very appropriate for conclusion. Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So you see the ground of our ability to extend love and grace to others comes through God's love and grace that came to us. God lavishes love and grace and forgiveness on us through Christ. We're called to be a conduit to extend that love and grace to those around us through our words and through our actions. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. We can use our words to bless people. We can use our words in ways that honor and glorify God. So may each one of us be intentional in everything that we do and everything that we say to speak life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak life to us. You came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. Lord, we thank you that you give us not only teachings to apply, you give us not only principles that we should try to live out, but you give us a new heart. We thank you that if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to do a transforming work in each one of our hearts to enable us to love others with the love that you've given us through Jesus. Lord, may we speak life. And as we look at the circumstances around us, which at times can be very tricky, very complex, where at times it doesn't seem like there's a clear-cut answer, I pray that we will be gracious men and women <coughs> who are intentional and proactive to be peacemakers, who, who speak life in a way that benefits others according to their needs and glorifies you. Lord, we thank you that you give us that ability, and we pray that you will empower us to do so through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.